We're in the second week of a new series looking at transitions and why they're so important. Springtime brings a great deal of transitions, that's for sure. At church, it brings first communions, confirmations, and more weddings than any other time of the year, each a significant transition. There are graduations that bring transitions from middle school to high school, high school to college, from college life to work life. For many parents, high school and college graduations mean a transition for them from full house to empty nest. Many people choose this time of year to transition to a second career or leave the workforce altogether. Many others look at springtime as a perfect time to downsize to a smaller house or upgrade their existing home. Spring brings a flood of transitions, and that's just to name a few of the very special ones that appear in the rhythm of life and not forgetting the even more significant transitions like the birth of a child, the loss of a loved one, uh, falling in love, getting divorced, uh, 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 receiving a diagnosis or undertaking treatment. The season we're in currently as a society also seems to be, definitely seems to be a time of transition when it comes to the COVID crisis. Hopefully a positive transition away from mass and distancing to full engagement and full capacity. So with all, this transi all these transitions going on, this seems like an opportune time, maybe the perfect time, to look at the experience itself and God's perspective on it. That's right, God's perspective on it. Because God works throughout our lives, and that includes our transitions. They're a part of his marvelous, mysterious design for our lives. So last week we began our discussion of transitions by discussing the anatomy or phases of a transition, and we said there are three. The first phase of a transition is actually an ending. Before we can move on to something new, one thing, some things, maybe many things, must end. Graduation means the end of high school or college, and inevitably, the end of many of the friendships that we formed there. Retirement means the end of a career, the end of business as usual. Every transition begins with an end. The second phase of a transition is the in-between time. This can be a brief time or an extended span of time, but either way, it's a gap, it's a pause, it's a break between the old and what's next. And the third phase of a transition is precisely what's next, the new beginning. Endings and beginnings are linked together, can't have one without the other. And even when negative, endings have the potential to create a positive new beginning, a new momentum for us, a fresh start that can lead us somewhere else, somewhere good, perhaps even to a better place. Last week, we also took time to look uh, more closely at that first phase, the ending phase. So today, we're going to take a little bit of time to look at the second phase, the in-between. Obviously, the in-between is 
in between. It's the time when the previous season of life has ended and the new one has not yet begun. And while each phase of a transition can be challenging, this can often be the most challenging, certainly the most confusing. It can be a time of emptiness, of anxiety, of impatience. The in-between time is the summer after you graduate before you go to college or start working. The in-between time is the time after a relationship ends before you find someone new. The in-between time is the immediate aftermath of the loss of a loved one. Their clothes are still in the closet. Their personal things still around the house. You're in-between. When we're living through the in-between time, we're liable and actually very likely to make one of two different mistakes. They're only natural and they're easy to make. The first is that we don't really pay any attention to it. We try to ignore it or pretend that it isn't in between time. And in the process, we make it a waste of time instead of time well spent. We can waste time by wanting to go backwards into the past. Think about it. That's what the Israelites did over and over again during the Exodus. God had brought them out of the slavery in Egypt into the desert wilderness. It was meant to be a brief transition time. Instead, the Israelites kept complaining about everything wishing they were back in, in Egypt. And as a result, a journey that should have taken 11 days took 40 years. Their resistance to the in-between time only prolonged it. That's mistake number one, and it's a common one. Mistake number two can be the opposite, to try and fast forward through it. We rush and try to get on to the next stage of life too quickly. Rather than slowing down into what is essentially a neutral phase, a neutral zone, we work, we push, we rush through it. At least we try. We don't like the discipline of waiting. We see this so often, all the time, really. A friend who just jumps from one broken friendship or relationship to another without ever even pausing to see why the previous one failed inevitably bringing the same old issues and baggage into the next relationship. A relative who goes from job to job to job without reflecting on what he could learn from his experience and mistakes and how he could become more effective moving forward. A neighbor who's constantly rushing around from one thing to the next, overcommitted, overscheduled, thoroughly exhausted, without any rest or refreshment, just watching her come and go is exhausting in itself. Or maybe, maybe it's not actually a neighbor, a relative, or a friend. Maybe it's you. You avoid the in-between time. You avoid it because it's painful. It's challenging. It's disquieting. It's convicting, it's frustrating, it's uncomfortable, it's boring, or maybe all of the above. But what if, what if we didn't ignore the in-between time, and what if we didn't try to rush through it either? 
what would that look like? How would that work? How can we handle the in-between time well? We can get some insight by looking at today's scripture passage from the Gospel of John. Although we're celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, which took place 50 days after Easter, this scene takes place before Easter at the Last Supper. Jesus is telling the apostles that his time with them was coming to an end, which it would the very next day. He's going away, and where he's going, they can't come, least not yet. And the apostles respond badly, because suddenly it hits them that their time together is ending. But there's also a significant consideration here, as the Lord points out to them. He says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also testify because you have been with me from the beginning. The advocate or spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is given, among other reasons, to help the apostles come to appreciate and understand what God has been doing in their lives, what has just happened to, to them, which was quite a lot. We often miss out on what God is doing on our, in our lives as we're living our lives. Sometimes we only see God and his actions in hindsight. Like the sun, it's often too bright for us to look, look at directly. God and what he's doing in the present moment can be difficult for us to focus on. So, while we don't want to get stuck in the past or overburden with nostalgia for what has been, the in-between time can be the perfect time to finally actually see what God has done. And, and this can happen with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit can give us. He goes on. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Counselor, that's another name for the Holy Spirit. Jesus' resurrection and ascension are anticipatory of the gifts the Spirit, that the Spirit gives that will guide them moving forward. It's to their advantage that their time together come to an end so that in the future, Jesus could be with them through the Spirit in a far more intimate, far more effective way. He goes on. I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth will guide you to all truth. In this in-between time, Jesus has more that he wants to say, to teach, and tell them, but they're not ready. That's part of the in-between time, too. It's actually a hallmark of it a lack of clarity, a lack of understanding. But that's not all. The Spirit will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. In the Spirit, God can start to give us a vision for the future and what's coming, what God wants to do in us and through us. So what are some practical steps that we could take here? Well, First, give yourself transition times all the time, every day. Create them 
and embrace them. A little transition time every day. That's what your daily quiet time can be. And then bigger ones for bigger transitions. If you just graduated from high school, deliberately schedule a daily family time this summer. Or plan a, a trip with your family. Spend time with your mom. If you're facing some significant milestone or anniversary, take time to celebrate. If you're getting married, a really powerful thing to do is to make a, a retreat, a weekend retreat, a silent retreat. Second, the in-between time is the best time to review your story. What happened to you? How you got to where you are today. One of the most powerful things you can ever do is get to know your story. Tell your story, if even only to yourself. You know, one of the most powerful things I ever did, one of the most important things I ever did was write Rebuilt. And not just because it made me famous. Did you know I'm famous? But because I told my story. And in the process, I learned my story. I got to know my story. I came to understand it. I was able to organize what had happened to me in a way that finally made sense to me. Not everybody has a book in them, thank goodness, but if you're experiencing a transition, the very best thing you can do is find a way to tell your story. Journal about it, make a video, tell a friend, talk to an empty chair, that can work too. List the wins, the positive memories, and thank God for the good things that happened. Remember the challenges and how you overcame them. Come to peace about the bad stuff too. Write down the lessons learned and how you grew. Write down what you would have done differently. And, and don't say nothing, because it's not true. We have resources on our website to help you out and get you started. Third, set time aside in your transition to envision the future and what you want to be, the next chapter of your story. Consider your roadmap and way forward. Form goals. You know, whoever you are, in whatever stage or state of life you're in, there's another chapter ahead of you that God has in mind for you. What can that be? And as you think about it, invite the Holy Spirit into the process too. Pray a very simple prayer. It's one of the most ancient prayers in, in our Christian faith. It goes simply, come Holy Spirit. That's a powerful prayer that you can pray every single day. Then in between time is actually the time, the time when the real business of transitions takes place. And although it's true you can't have a transition without an ending, and it's also true transitions cannot bear fruit without a new beginning. The in-between time is the time when the real business of transitions take place because, and here's a little secret, God does some of his very best work in us in between times. <laughs>